what? We have our special guest dun, again. Dun, 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 dun. Who is it? Me. <laughs> okay. Nice. Well, that was uneventful. You know what? We really worked our way up to that, and you just killed it. <laughs> so we up. have Justin as a guest again, because this topic is an interesting one that I think you'd have something to say. That's and what is the topic, Celia? What we're serving today, we are talking, well, one, we were talking about the book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. Yes, and it's by really Matthew about, Perry, the guy from Friends. Yes. Chandler, basically. Oh. Chandler. And he has a huge addiction that he was hiding for most of his was life. He when did hiding? he start at 14 years? Listen, I didn't know. <laughs> did you? I mean, I remember seeing that stuff, like, you know on the on TV and things like that back when friends was on, I but don't remember that, that was before you had the kind of internet access you have now. Yeah. I don't remember reading. About and it. I was only in high school. So I, I'm like, he has a drinking problem. Yeah. Just stop. Like it, it, yeah. was, it meant nothing to me at that time. Uh, well, he has a way bigger problem. He, well, he was yes, addicted to, but at the time I only saw it was like alcohol. Yeah. It, I didn't really see anything else Which other than that. Or was I was functioning for 20 years. <laughs> Like basically being drunk, yeah. Tend to hide it and hide it well. I mean, that's what I was. Okay, yeah. I couldn't function. Tell us when was the first time you tried anything? Well, I mean, I had always partied growing up, but the first thing that they grabbed a hold of me was uh, painkillers. That's interesting that you said grabbed a hold of me. Is that how you feel? Like it just kind of takes you? Uh, I mean, I had partied, I had drank, I had you know done coke and all that stuff, but it was never something that. I ever thought about doing again the next day. It was okay. purely just a, Hey, I'm wasted. Let's go get some cocaine. Did you feel there's a part in his book that he says, um, he realized once he did it, like the first time that he did it, that it was not affecting him the same way as it did his friends. Did you feel that way about drugs? Yeah. The well, first time he drank most people, most people oh, I know, yes, that's right. I mean, they, for instance, you get a surgery, you need painkillers. It makes them sick. Mm -hmm. For me, it got me lit. I okay. mean, it, it made me feel great. It didn't make me feel nauseous. Um, it made you feel great. Like you were just on cloud nine. Yeah. So time. the way, so the way that opiates work and, and apparently it's the one drug that nobody can really handle. And that if you take it long enough, uh, it's inevitable. That's what, that's what hooked. he said it was. And that's what they're starting to figure out today, which is why, you know, companies, um, like the, you know, the creators of oxy oxycontin, yeah. um, are getting in so much trouble. Well, shit. Yeah. Oh God, there's another movie that was out there. You just reminded me of what was that guy, the guy that played Batman. Shit. I can't remember the name of it. Oh. There's quite a few different yeah. things. Well, out I there. think what stood out, one of the things that I remember in the book was when he's talking about partying with, um, oh my God. What the is celebrities? Yes. No. Uh, shit. The bald one. Why am I blinking on his name right now? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. And he said, oh, the difference God. between the two of them was Bruce Willis was a partier but he was an addict. Like Matthew Perry was an addict. Yeah. So Bruce Willis can do like a two day kind of, he could turn thing, it off and like then he be can like be partying and then, you know, wake up the next morning and go, okay, I need to get it together. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do anything. Like he could turn it this off. This is what I mean in an addict's <clears throat> brain. Is it like, do you convince yourself that you can turn it off knowing that you can't? Well, every addict, I think at first says that. And then at the end of the day, like we always realize that, no, we can't. Because our entire life becomes centered around uh, getting loaded. Okay. So when you would feel loaded, would it just, you said you felt great. Is there a point where you didn't feel much? Oh, absolutely. So, so um, I guess my best high ever came from Norcos. 
Okay. okay. It's one of the most euphoric. Uh, what do they uh, use that? They use that for um, a pain pill? Yeah, it's basically? a pain pill. Okay. Uh, basically, Norco is hydrocodone mixed with um, acetaminophen, which is. They give that pain. to moms right after they give birth. Yeah. Give yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, a, it's a, a, it's a common painkiller that or, or, or Percocet that has oxycodone in it, but Norco was the most euphoric thing. And okay. they got to the point where I couldn't take enough of them without destroying my liver. Mm-hmm because of the Tylenol okay. to even stay well. And the term stay well means basically to keep you from getting dope sick. Okay. So I couldn't take 20 Norcos at a time without destroying my liver. So I cold water extracted the Tylenol out of it, how, the coffee how, filters how, and drink it. Holy shit. You're, see, and that's another thing. You guys are incredibly smart and very creative. <laughs> most addicts don't do that. <laughs> when it comes to, well, I think smart ones are, I yeah. think most addicts though, like they overthink, right? They overanalyze. They just have so much going on in their mind that that's why they're trying to kind of numb their brain, Correct. kind of quiet themselves. Slows it down. So I feel like they are very intelligent. They are very creative. It just like, I don't think all of them are. Well, okay. <laughs> and they're just, not really all depends. like that. Typically, typically you've got your addicts who start when they're really young and they never have a chance to develop that part of the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I myself became hooked on drugs uh, much later in life, you know, uh, mid twenties, uh, I had already developed my brain functioning. I had developed an identity. I mm-hmm. knew who I was. Um, so, you know, and a lot of, a lot of some of your most successful people out there are people who, um, you know, they have a history of addiction and they've gotten clean. I mean, most of the people that I deal with in the supplement industry, uh, manufacturers, uh, other company owners and things like that have a history of addiction and they came out of it mm-hmm. and they're killing it. They're doing yeah. great with their businesses and it's because their brain's back to functioning the way that it was prior to. They're no longer trying to you, slow it down. How did you how did you reprogram your brain to I mean, you're always gonna be an addict, but to not act on that urge. Uh, well, you know, addiction is a, is a disease, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, normal people do not think that way. It's clearly a mental health disorder and Mm -hmm. uh, you have to seek some sort of treatment to it. And a lot of it comes through programs and groups and counseling and things like that. Um, For me, it was Narcotics Anonymous. You okay. Know, the, the, oh, you actually went through like multiple the, stints of it, though. Yeah. Oh, really? So it wasn't so, like a first. So not time. a one and done. Yeah, huh? I no. Know I had okay. a problem, but I hadn't hit my bottom yet, and so I would go in there and what I would call warm the bench in Narcotics Anonymous. Okay. So I knew all the people in the fellowship. I knew the people that if I'm ever going to take a solid run at getting clean and staying clean, that I know who I'm going to ask to be my sponsor. All of that. Mm-hmm. I just hadn't hit my low of lows yet. Yeah. And uh, uh, were but, you expecting to hit it? Like, would you go to those going at some point, I will hit a very low point and really need this. Yeah. Or were you like, I'm just here to appease my wife. No. <laughs> were, you, were you guys? Oh, you guys oh, we were, were married. This was, a, this was like because two I years into I wouldn't, a marriage. I wouldn't have actually two gone. years into a marriage. Yeah. So oh, I, I wouldn't have actually gone to the meeting if, uh, you had know, you not had something correct. really huge to lose. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. nobody sitting there watching whether or not I'm at the park. It's, uh, and that it goes there and they, and the, the whole thing is, is to keep coming back. And that's what they say in Narcotics yeah. Anonymous, because if you just keep on coming back, eventually one day someone's going to say something or you're going to be there on the right day mm-hmm. for the right reasons. And it's going to click. You know, uh, what I don't understand about that is I think it's equally dangerous to be in a room with people that have your same issue. That was initially my thought. I, I do. And then I went and then, to a couple with him and I'm like, okay, there are a few people here who have, have it together. Okay. You know what I mean? They're not. Cause I was like, isn't that just a place for him to meet more people to share? I feel more like shit that. With? Yeah. It's like, Oh, you guys have different hookups. You right. guys have different. Let's go find out know? who that guy's connected. You guys can also get high together. It's just right. like, that was definitely something that it's not a mind. very predatory place. Okay. Um, 
it's uh here's the thing addicts know other yeah. addicts and we know when someone's full of shit and we know yeah. what's going on and we could see it in the it's meeting can smell the bullshit. oh absolutely yeah. don't try and bullshit another addict mm -hmm. they're gonna see it and uh it's tech it's typically not a safe place for people who want to come in there and try and do those things now every now and then you do get newcomers that link up but that's because they're extremely new to the fellowship yeah you know and uh you know they'll go out and they'll get loaded after and stuff like that but uh um you know, a lot of the times they're usually forced to be there. They're oh, okay. Kind they're of drug court diversion. ordered. Yeah, court order, drug diversion. Right. So um, you for, know the ones that are not like going to last. Basically, they're not taking it seriously right now. You can see it, but a lot of people are in there because of court orders and stuff so, like that, and and that's the reason they're clean. Is they decided to stick around after their drug diversion was up. How many How many times did you have to go before it stuck? I well, uh, once you make a conscious decision to stop using. Right. And you're like, okay, I want to get better now. When was that decision for you? That decision for me was um, in December, late December of 2016. I had OD'd a couple of times, which I had never done before. Okay. And I never started using drugs. How to, long uh, were you married at that point? Oh, uh, gosh. Four years. Yeah, four years. Okay. So um, that's hard. I to never deal started using because I, I didn't like life and I wanted to hide yeah. life. I, like the way it felt when I took them for my knee. And then after that, I got hooked. And next thing you know, heroin was cheaper than $400 a day of oxy. That's it. So That's... I started shooting heroin. I was just trying to be fiscally responsible as an addict. Right. Wow. That was the mentality. It was lovely to hear as a spouse. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, oh, thank you for saving us take, money. That's so taxing on a marriage, I'm sure. Like, uh, wow. Well, at that point, we'd separated twice. I was pregnant. Yeah. This was our like second was, separation. Oh, my God. I, was, I don't know why that didn't I was like, living click. with my boys out in Norco. Mm -hmm. She was pregnant. And, uh, and what happened then? Well, I was basically living by myself, huge pregnant, right? Up until, I mean, he didn't move back in until maybe two or three weeks before T was born. Yeah, I was six, just shy of six months clean when Tarek was born. I actually mm -hmm. moved into this really, really crappy motel called the Americana. They bulldozed it and it was half motel. And the other half was basically just, I mean, it, it's, it's the bottom of the bottom. Right? Were you working? Yeah, oh yeah that yeah. was i had on my, my career oh, Mr. Man. disney selling timeshare you know doing my thing in there and then i just started to get sloppy mm -hmm. i mean i woke up od'd in the bathroom there to my vp mm -hmm. from hawaii and mm -hmm. they found me on the floor of the bathroom and i said i had a blood pressure issue and they called me on my first day back at work while i was you know pregnant and they're like oh um this has happened and i'm like seriously this was my concern of going back to work because at that time i was we were doing bougie bottles. So, you know, where I was working with him, we were at home. Like I could, I don't want to say monitor him, but I knew what was going on. Yeah. When I went back to work, I'm like, look, one of my concerns is that you're going to be at home by yourself during the week for two days. What is that going to look like? You know? And mm -hmm. that was my, my fear. And then of course, day one, day two, something like that. They're like, Hey, he's in the bathroom. I'm like, well, fuck. Here we go. I'm pregnant. I can't deal with this shit right honestly, now. It gives me chills. I'll tell you, I'd like, being pregnant in that situation, I know it takes a lot of willpower for you to be here now and and be sober, but holy shit, yeah. what you had to like endure and like kind of go through, I don't know a lot of people that would have made it. Like, well, one of the things that happened during that time is, you know, obviously I was pregnant and we were not living together. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm ready to file for divorce. I'll just give birth to this child and tell him that his dad died. And like, I didn't want any part of that. I wanted nothing to do with that. And my dad said- That's harsh to hear. Yeah. It was, but I mean, it was the reality that I was not gonna have an addict for a baby daddy and bring this drama upon this child that was, you know what I mean? Innocent, nothing to do with it. So my plan was, hey, 
we got divorced, you know, but baby daddy died. Sorry, your dad didn't make it. He was an addict. And that would have been it. But my dad was like, do not make any decisions while you are pregnant and hormonal. Wait until after this baby is born. Even if you decide to do that after the baby is born, he's not going to know. You know, you have a few months. And during that time is when he got clean. Okay. And did you have that talk? Did you tell him like, I remember if I told him that. (laughs) I hacked her email. I knew she was already filing or looking to file it. What did that do? You hacked my email? Okay. Holy shit. I didn't know that. That's a whole different. (laughs) Highly intelligent. Yeah. (laughs) Or we just shared passwords. (laughs) It was something like that. Honestly, I was so loaded at the time. Like I didn't know. But uh, um, I did in December. Let's see here. My sponsor is the 29th. I'm the 30th. So December 30th of 2016, I literally threw my dope in the trash can outside. And it sat there a whole week until the trash people came. And I didn't want to open the can or think about going and getting it. Okay. And I was then, just, I was done. I couldn't do it. I walked into the park and I was like, yo, Vic, um, I want you to be my sponsor. I had seen him, known him, like, just like, this is the guy. Right. And, uh, 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 he actually gave me his sponsee, which was at the time taking 10 years. Yeah. So now, uh, uh, you know, my, my sponsor has, uh, Oh, I've got six. He's got 16 years. Yeah. That's amazing, though, because now your son has only known a sober version of you. Yeah, he has right. never known. My son has never known me loaded. Mm-hmm. And, That's amazing. Uh, it's uh, I don't go to Narcotics Anonymous anymore. Everybody has the right to choose the way their recovery looks. Yeah. And mine is not a program of or my or my recovery is is uh, tailored in a way where um, I went there so I could reacclimate to the regular world. Yeah. Not so I could spend all my time isolated around. Bags. Of course. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. There's people with I don't 30, so. 35 years clean in there, and that's mm-hmm. what they have. But see, I had a life before Narcotics Anonymous. I had a life before drugs, and I wanted that so desperately back. I knew who I was. I knew I was a great person. I knew I was intelligent. Um, and I had all of this life and family and people that I was about to lose, and I got to get back to it. Yeah. You know, but I, well, And I think that's the reason why I stuck around, too. Because I know that I get that uh, that question. I was like, are you fucking dumb? He did this no. to you multiple times. No, what, because, well, you didn't if they learn? Knew, if they knew this version of him, well, they that's... would understand. And I think that what you got, which is crazy, because in the book it actually said, I knew what you just said. I knew I was different versions of myself that mm. weren't that weren't showing people yet, right? Like it didn't show up until I can get clean. They would show up in glimpses in your life, but yeah. because you were mostly loaded, like it couldn't. Right. Like you couldn't actually see it and she could see it more than anyone else. Right. And so, and that's definitely why I stuck around. I'm like, well, this this is not him. This is not him. So, so getting clean, I had to come to terms with the fact that I was not going to be present in my son's life without fighting. I had to be, I had to be um, okay with the fact that uh, she was not going to take me back. I got clean because I didn't want to die. I didn't get clean for my wife. I didn't get clean for my son. Because when it's for I you. found out she was pregnant, I celebrated by getting high and I had already been clean for just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, so normal people go out and they have a beer to celebrate at me. I shot dope and I made that decision all while ironing a shirt. I had convinced myself in that what period of time that it would be okay. See, this is, this is what's crazy. <laughs> and this is why no, but like, look at that. Isn't that insane? Like that. No, people don't. Okay. So wait, what, like walk me through that moment. I'm sorry. This is going to be a long one because this is very interesting. So, okay. So. You were ironing a shirt and what happened? Um, yeah, because I don't know the story. I was ironing a shirt in the room where I ironed in the two bedroom. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to celebrate. 
I'm going to celebrate. I'm, I'm going to go get high. Like I did it. I finally knocked my wife up. I haven't been able to do that. Um, we've been practicing. Oh, practicing. This, we've this been was trying a, for this was a huge accomplishment. Three years. Like really big accomplishment. And to celebrate that accomplishment, I wanted to go get fucked up like everybody else does. You yeah. Know, ah, we're pregnant. Let's go out and have some beers. Yeah. Well, I was never big on alcohol. Yeah. But hey, you know, bag of dope. And, Holy know, shit. That, I told you I was pregnant and you went ironed the shirt and was like, I'm going to get high. Yep. Holy fuck. And that's what an addict who doesn't have recovery does. Right. So, yeah. yes, I was clean, but I was not committed to the recovery. Now you could put, you know, a, a kilo of my favorite opiate in front of me. And no, I would I'd flush it down the toilet before I'd sell it. Yeah. But, but now, uh, uh, you know, I I wouldn't. And even when we have leftover painkillers and stuff from surgeries and things like that. Yeah, you know, it's the, just it, nothing. The thought doesn't cross my mind. Um, you know, when my father in law was sick, I handled his medications, which were all my right. favorite drugs. Yeah. And not once did I think about using them because to me, it's just the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yeah. What's crazy is I remember even after there was like a surgery I had during that time and I went to go get the pain meds because I was in pain and he's like, oh, I switched them out with like fucking vitamin D or I don't even know what the hell. I'm like, what the hell? Um. And I mean, that was rough where I'm like, these are, you're now taking my fucking medication. Like, are you serious? Replacing? I've never even heard of this before. And there was so many things that I had to learn, you know, during that time that would happen, you know, like things I had to be aware of, like, where's, where's the foil? Where are spoons? Where is this? Where is that? Like my my pain meds are gone. Our money is gone. Like what is going on? Do you still now, because now now you have this beautiful family and honestly sure. a very strong marriage from what i can see obviously i don't yeah. live by closed doors with you guys but you guys a, a very strong marriage a very good bond right? right um are there residual side effects for you there was in the beginning okay. and there was a lot of he took 10 minutes longer at ralph's why okay you know things like that i it, it and I, you know i'd sit down and explain i'm like look you have given me ptsd you need to be patient with me because the same way I was patient with you during that whole time, mostly patient. Yeah, um, I, yeah. <laughs> need to be patient. I gotta with tell me. you, knowing her, <laughs> patience is not her strong suit. You know what I mean? And I could go I to Narcotics Anonymous and talk about this, about yeah. how I still have this trust to earn back, and I yeah. knew it. I, I absolutely yeah. knew it. You know, we had talked about on the episode of of cheating and all that, and you know, when you ruin trust in a marriage, it's, yeah. it's gone. Yeah, and it was especially hard because I feel like even during that time. Try, I'm like, there's no way he's fucking doing drugs, right? Like there's, you know, I was already dealing with that with my brother. Like there's no way my husband is doing this too. He has seen how much pain this has caused our family. Mm. There's no way. I'm like, he's got, he's cheating on me. It has to be that. There's no possible way. And for the longest time, I'm like, who is she? There's, where are you all? You're running off all day looking at, you know, quote, alarms. We don't even have a fucking house. What are you looking for alarms for? Yeah. You'd be gone for eight hours. There's definitely another woman for sure. But there was no evidence of that. Oh. And but you know, and so it was it's a hard drug It was time. and I remember even the very first time I really cornered him. I'm like, what is going on? And he had all these like bruises on his arms and he's like, Oh, I fell. I can't look at I'm like, at you him. fell like this, palms down. No, what is the truth? And he literally sat there in the kitchen. He's like, What and he threw it back at me. He's like, Why would I do this to you? Your brother has ruined your family because of this. Why would I do it? I'm like, exactly. It makes no fucking sense. But I'm looking at your arms and they look awfully familiar. What are you doing? 
Oh you know, and then he finally came out. Rough. It was hard. It was a lot of, I think even he might've been in denial about it. Like, do you realize what you are doing right now? No. You know, yeah, I don't think he does. Right. Like it's just, kind I don't of- know. You do, but it's, it's, uh, it's got such a hold over you that it mm. becomes your priority where every waking moment is about getting loaded. It, it doesn't matter. Did you do it, it every day? First. Absolutely. I'd get sick if I didn't. Oh my God. And I remember you saying, did you have to go to rehab? I tried an outpatient rehab once just to appease her. Um, I didn't truly want anything out of it. I mean, I was clean for all of it. And then they graduated early for me because I was such a great actor, but I was actually dirty on the last piss test. (sighs) Wow. That's insane. There is, um, there is a, I mean, it's, they're difficult times, but uh, you guys did surpass them. So there's that. But there's, there's a part of the book that he said that he went to go see uh, in one of the rehabs. He had spoken to a doctor and the doctor said, I, you like the chaos around your addiction, the drama, the drama, you like the drama, you feel it. No, but this was his reaction, yeah. right? Where he was like, no, I don't. It's ruining my life. Blah, yeah. blah. And then at the end of the, the chapter was. I, I couldn't stand him for saying that because it has ruined so many things for me. Of course, I don't love it. And right. then at the end, it was like, but what if it was true? Yeah. Right. Because why do you keep doing it? But I don't think love wasn't the right word. Is it used to maybe the way yeah. you grew up maybe uh, makes you feel like you need it. Right. The chaos around your life. the most miserable like- thing ever. No, I'm sure. <laughs> but- but- Being stuck in addiction, there is nothing to love about the chaos. It is miserable. It is the most depressing. Yes, sad, but maybe you are used to it. But maybe that's that it's to what you comes is what's with the territory. What's, so yes, you get used to it, but you don't love it. Yeah, but was that familiar to it to you before the addiction, chaos, the sadness, the you know, like I did growing up, and then I left all that, moved to Hawaii at eighteen, and was like ditched all that, um, particularly because I grew up in chaos. You did okay, yeah. and uh, so I've always been able to handle chaos very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the thing is, is it doesn't matter what it is; you can literally be dying. And you will still want more and it's fucking miserable. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's disgusting. It's painful. It's fucking lonely. Well, he said he had a, um, a colostomy bag uh, a few times, a few times. And I'm like, when you're shitting in a bag, it's probably time to let that go. Right. His, his, his colon, exploded his colon exploded his lungs or something. He it's literally something crazy. And it's like, he's, yeah. And he had a colostomy bag. I'm like, this is a celebrity. Like, right. You have all the yeah. money in the world. You can, but, the, yeah, it, it doesn't end there. Like, I don't know what actually, I, I don't remember in the book what the decision was because it's, it's fairly recent when he said no more. What I was it? I just finished it too. <laughs> no, me too. I don't um, remember what it was, but it's, it's fairly recent. I think like, it was just another encounter of almost dying. Cause that was always his biggest fear was dying. So they, and they, so he got clean multiple times and he would get very close to encountering death and he'd be sober for two years or, you know, however long it was. Yeah, and then, did. and then he tried to convince himself like two little pills here and there to kind of get by mm-hmm. and then oh, it yeah, started that's up that's again. Your, that's, that's your disease yeah. and addiction convincing you. And that's when you don't practice and, uh, or, or when you don't treat it with things like programs and living a different way of life yeah. and, and such. But, uh, you know, and, and the thing is, is, is a lot of people will say, oh, well, they haven't hit rock bottom yet. Everybody's rock bottom is, is different. Is different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's whenever you're tired of digging, you put the fucking shovel down and you decide to climb the fuck out. Yeah. That's and for me it was it was almost dying. It was it, and I didn't want to die. Yeah. You know, I had never OD'd in all the years I was using and twice within a short period of time, 
you know, and I started adding in drugs that I said I'd never do mm-hmm. on top of it. And it was just a shit. Heroin. Heroin is the thing. I actually started adding meth to it. And uh, that I lost my mind within like a week. That's just crazy. It was very fast. It's all crazy. It was but, terrifying. Yeah, it was oh terrifying. And I remember, you know, my mom, he was texting me the weirdest things like, when are we taking your car for an oil change? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The sentence was fucked up. Everything was slurred. And I'm like, and then he stopped answering my calls. So I'm like, mom, can you go check on him? And so my mom ends up taking him to the hospital and he's sitting there, you know, whatever he's in the hospital and I come in and I'm like about to beat his fucking ass. And my mom's like, you need to not do this in the hospital. They're going to try and blame you for this. They're going to say you drugged him. They're going to say you need to leave. And I was so angry. I'm like, are you seriously doing this? This is getting worse. Like, what are you doing? This is the complete opposite direction. So, I mean, it was, it was crazy. And I remember you talking about like the chase and it was interesting to me because in the book, he talks about how he has to take 55 Vicodin a day to get by 55. Like, and he's like going to open houses and taking them out of their, um, their medicine cabinets and things like that. And I remember you talking about that chase, waking up every morning going, where am I going to get it today? How am I going to do this every single day? How exhausting. Oh, that's the one thing I'm like, so this exhausting. seems like so much work. I would tap out. Done. Day two. I don't want to look for this. This is exhausting. You, if you put 10% into staying clean that you used to put into getting high, you'll succeed. <laughs> well, look at you now. Fucking yeah, it. Right? I mean, that works. It's funny because uh, to me, uh, every challenge that approaches me in life seems easy because I'm like, look, if I can get clean, you know. <laughs> you can, like, honestly. Like, I, I, I beat heroin. If I can do that, there's Ugh, nothing that God insane. is going to put in front of yeah. me that I can't handle. And of course, yeah. I know guys are anything I can't handle, but it's like I always refer back to that. Wow. And then mm-hmm. I quit smoking. Cigarettes is one of the hardest things to quit out there. That's one thing that he said. I quit, He's like, I just I quit didn't... vaping. I treat my body like a sanctuary with the exception of Ben and Jerry's. And <laughs> your your yeah. body is you a know? temple. Your body is <laughs> a temple. Yeah, Shit, if you have fitness. to say that. And it is. I, I, don't, like, it's, I don't like putting things into my body that don't. That don't treat it goodness because I treat it like a dumpster for so long. Yeah. Right. And now that I you am have clean, to be I want to super... be alive for my children. Yeah. And for you, that's, I mean, I'm, does your body feel fragile now? No, it's stronger now. It was fragile then. My pain threshold is significantly higher. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, my tolerance to deal with everything. I mean, it's. Physically was one thing. Mentally, too. I feel like it took him quite a oh, while yeah. to get like. Uh, like not awkward anymore you know what i mean where i'm like what you just said i'm not crawling in my skin just like weird just kind of like an odd man (laughs) like i feel like he had to be comfortable with himself again because i feel like he had been so uncomfortable for so long hiding the fact that he's high or you know whatever yeah thinking about something else that he would just i don't know it was he was kind of it was an awkward awkward. (laughs) fitness is what did it fitness allowed me to do that you know i got clean december 20 uh, uh, December 30th and February 7th was my first session in the gym and That's right. it hasn't stopped in six years. That's awesome. It's, yeah. And, and it's, it's just, it's mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, wellness, you know, you yeah. care of it all. Do you think it's a precondition that addicts have? I don't know. You know, I think about like does something, I don't know about that. Okay. But in the book he mentions when he was a few weeks old, they started giving him, oh, yeah. um, opiates something to call he was colicky and this was the 60s the 70s or something and they gave him some kind of medication to calm him down to put him to sleep he became addicted to it yeah i think i feel like 
when your body is still, you're still growing, your brain is still developing and they, they gave him that. I mean, obviously there, his parents were like 20, well, 21. So they didn't know. My, my exactly. Really exactly. Well, when I was young, because I was hyper, I was active. And yeah. that immediately clicked with me. Yeah. That clicked with me because I'm like, fuck, when Justin was just five, six, something like you were young. I was young. I, I remember roughly maybe third grade having to go okay, in and start taking But it. your brain is still developing, you I know, but sick. like, that shit but fucked again, me up. It gave me twitches and all kinds of oh, stuff. Your young so parents like, it was and you go to the doctor <laughs> and you trust that this doctor knows what the fuck they're saying because they're this older doctor, of you course. know, and you're young. You don't, there's no internet. Well, Where are you going to research? You ADHD, have no ADHD medication, ADHD. <laughs> And all that is just as big of a lie yeah. as oxycodone and yeah. the painkillers and stuff that are being prescribed. The only difference is, is that it's not, it's not an epidemic, right? Even though methamphetamine is. Oh, Adderall is so an epidemic. It right is, now. but it's not dropping but, people like flies, like fentanyl. And the only reason right. why everybody is, is being brought into the stop, uh, spotlight is because fentanyl mm -hmm. is, is out there. And I'm so glad I got clean when I did, because I would have died. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is, is significantly stronger than anything else out there on the street. And it will fucking put you down. Yeah. You know, that's scary shit. Wow. Well, I feel like we have to wrap it up, we but do. I don't want to, because there's so many things. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, this is something that I, I could talk about for so, in so many different ways and all that. But at the end of the day, it's like, look, if you're out there and you're struggling, go to a fucking meeting. Um, I like know it sounds cliche, minimum. a 12 step program and all that, but. But you, you didn't do try, all 12 steps. I did just, no, you I have didn't. to want, that's the thing. You have I to want it. it. 12 steps I were, think the one thing you have to want is was. you have to make that decision. Yeah. Like forget, like the way you react later, how you recover, that's fine. But that decision has to be made where you're like, I'm fucking done. Mm -hmm. Done, you, done, You done. have to be done, but then you have to nurture it. Yeah. You know, sure. and that's what I mean by go to a 12 step program because nobody's going to understand you more. No one's going to love you unconditionally. When everybody else fucking hates you, you can go sit in a room with people that are going to hug you and tell you great fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you relapse and come back the next day, right. they're going to clap for you. They're going to hug you. They're going to give you a white fucking chip and nope. they're going to tell you to keep coming back. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to reach a hand, uh, reach out their hands for support. And the regular world doesn't do that. And that's why it's important Absolutely for addicts not. to be around addicts in recovery. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. He's right. He is right. <laughs> I've seen it. He's right. <laughs> that's awesome though. All right. Okay. We need to we, definitely we need to wrap this up. But this was really good. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. Bye.